following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, good morning. This is indeed a special day. We are um, celebrating baptism. Um, and just so you're aware how that will go, that'll be at the end, okay? And all you have to do is stay there until after, okay? That's You have the easy part. Um, have you ever heard the expression um, that someone uh, is so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good? Um, have you ever met anyone like that? I haven't. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that uh, is true. In fact, uh, C.S. Lewis also said just the opposite. He said the reason that people are so ineffective in this world is because they think so little of the next. Um, and all you see is right here in front of your face. So um, to be effective in this world. What do we need to be doing but inviting people to join us in the next world? Amen? Amen. Now, it's this uh, the question of this next world that our text from the Gospel of Mark is all about this morning. So let's turn to the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, chapter 12, it started at verse 18. Uh, through 27. That's page 848 in the Pew Bibles. Now, you may remember from last week that Jesus had been confronted by the Pharisees and the Herodians. Um, and this week, he is confronted by yet another group of uh, Jewish leaders called the Sadducees. And this account in Mark's Gospel is the only time he mentions the Sadducees at all in the book of Mark. So let's read it together. Uh, chapter 12, start at verse 18. And the Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry or are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. 
Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful uh, to be able to be gathered around your word this morning, whether we're in this physical building or somewhere else. We thank you for the miracle of technology that allows us all to share together in fellowship, even not being present with one another. Either way, Lord, the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit are not limited by our physical location. So we pray now that your spirit would speak to all who hear this or watching or sitting here today, even me. God, we uh, ask for your help in interpreting the scriptures and we ask for your help in changing according to what we learn. For we want to be like you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Sadducees, right? Remember the old song, I don't want to be a Sadducee because they're so sad, you see. Uh, And it's because they don't believe in anything after this life. No spirit, no angel, no resurrection. It's a sad way to live and unfortunately is shared by a great number of people in the world today. So the Sadducees came to Jesus, who said there's no resurrection. Acts 23, verse 8 said that the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection or angels or spirit. Now, this was not a secret. This was not a secret belief held by the uh, this bunch of jerks, um, whatever they're called, the Sadducees. It's a public, uh, people knew about uh, this group, this sect of the religious Faith, if you could even call it faith, if you don't believe in anything, what's the difference? It's well known that this group of religious aristocrats believe this way, that they rejected anything that wasn't expressly mentioned in the Pentateuch. And everybody remembers what the Pentateuch is, right? No, it's the first five books of the Bible. Penta, right? There's a little bit of Latin in there. These are the books of Moses, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, that's, that was their Bible. They didn't uh, care about Psalms or Proverbs or the prophets. Um, sad way to live, I think. So when they asked Jesus a question about the resurrection, it was no secret that they were trying to trap him in his talk, just like the Pharisees and the Herodians tried to do in our text from last week. Um Now, before we get to the question, to their question for Jesus, I want to examine the reality of the teaching of the Sadducees. Their unofficial position, like I said, is that they rejected any of the other writings in what we call the Old Testament. Um, They didn't they didn't think Psalms and Proverbs or minor prophets and major prophets were the word of God. They were just kind of supplementary devotional material, but not the Word of God. They rejected them all. And what does that do? But it takes away any expectation of Messiah. It takes away any expectation of future life, uh, reward for the godly, and punishment for the wicked are limited only to their earthly life, to this life, and that's it. Good people get good things. Bad people get bad things. Sound familiar? That's it. 
This is clearly proven false uh, by both the scripture and history. Uh, it's, it's a ridiculous notion. However, it's no more ridiculous than the false idea that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. Sound familiar? I hear it at almost every funeral. So at least, well, I, let me clarify, not just the good people go to heaven. It's the people that we like go to heaven. And the people we don't like go to hell. Right? That's, well, they're both wrong. It doesn't matter how you say it. Paul wrote about some people who were coming from this school of thought and denied the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. He wrote, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised... Not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Now I share that just so you can have a little context uh, when we're thinking about the reality of denying the resurrection of the dead. So here come the Sadducees, notorious resurrection deniers, and they come to question Jesus. Now, in their deception, they quote Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 7. What they were saying about uh, a man marrying someone and then dying and then his brother uh, have to marry that, that's in the Bible. How about that? Uh I don't have any brothers, and I have a bunch of kids, so I don't have to worry about it. Caroline doesn't have to worry about that, right? The the heading, if you look up Deuteronomy 25, uh, it the heading reads, Laws Concerning Leveret Marriage. Now, I always thought that was about Levite, but Levite and Leveret are two different things. Leveret is a Latin word, which I'm sure you all came here expecting a Latin lesson. Leveret is a Latin word that means brother-in-law. Okay? Uh, so I'll read that to you just so you're aware. Uh, if brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. So this is about preserving uh, your family name in the nation of Israel. Uh, So it's important business. If your family line ends with you, then you're, that's it, right? Uh, One of the great joys that I had as a kid is being... uh, uh, the only one of my cousins whose last name was Keniston. And I was the, uh, I have male cousins, but they don't carry the Keniston name. 
right? And I, I always thought that was kind of fun. But at the same time, that's, well, you think about it, that's a lot of pressure. If, uh, if I don't have sons, then the Keniston name, uh, in that way kind of ends. Not that our family stops, but, and, uh, it great brought my grandfather, Keniston, great joy to see a bunch of sons. So now pressure's off me, boys. Uh, <laughs> I did, I did my job, so. So anyway, um, so this this scripture here, they uh, based on this idea, this the law of the brother-in-law, uh, they asked Jesus about this fantastic hypothetical lady. Teacher Moses wrote for us, and he did. We read it. Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There are seven brothers. The first took a wife. And then when he died, he left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection. Right. Resurrection, right, guys? In the resurrection, ha ha, when they all rise again, yeah, right, whose wife will she be? Right? The seven had her as wife. This is the trap they're laying, right? Now, ladies, I'm sure that you can attest that this lady's cause of death was clearly exhaustion. Um, perhaps her resurrection would be one of eternal punishment in having to deal with all of these husbands, right, for eternity. Well, that was not Jesus' response. But think about it for a minute. What do you think they were hoping for from Jesus? Like, we're so clever. We've got this perfect hypothetical we're going to get him. What did they expect him to say? Right? This lady with seven husbands. What do you think? Who's, whose wife is she? Well, what do you think? You think maybe they wanted him to say, oh, guys, no, no, no. There's no resurrection. You don't have to worry about that. Right? And then, okay, so now he's aligned with the Sadducees. But the Pharisees, they believed in all of those things. They believed in the resurrection. Most of the Jewish nation believed in the resurrection. Right. Or maybe they were hoping he wouldn't be able to come up with an answer at all. Like we're, he he's just going to be stumbling all over himself. Hey, what about this lady? And uh, 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 I don't know, guys, uh, that doesn't sound very much like Jesus, does it? They thought they had the perfect hypothetical to expose him, expose him as either a fraud or uh, just a know nothing. But boy, were they wrong. And Jesus responds in the most popular fashion, the most politically correct, socially acceptable way to respond to someone. You are wrong. And here's why. Right. Not. okay. well, you know, your view is valid, but let me offer an alternative and maybe you can decide for yourself in between the two. Right. Sound very 2020. Well, this is a little closer to 30. So, and not, uh, that's not how he responds at all. He says, you're wrong and here's why. Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you're wrong? Because you know neither the scripture nor the power of God. I'm sure they were. Yeah. Oh, you got us. <laughs> I'm sure you're right, Lord. You know neither the scripture nor the power of God. Now, remember in these days, um, Nobody carried around a Bible. 
you all have uh, Bibles open, I hope, either a paper or a digital or whatever, or the screen, whatever. Nobody carried around a Bible the first century. There wasn't an app for that. The Bible they had at that time was a scroll, a collection of scrolls, huge scrolls, right? That hung out in a synagogue or in a temple. And they actually had to memorize. Uh, the, the boys would have to memorize the Pentateuch. But by the time they were 12, right? I mean, this, but that's how they had to do it because they couldn't just look it up real quick. Right. They they had to recall from memory. Uh, that's a practice I highly recommend, by the way. Um, so these fellows knew the scriptures. But they didn't know the scriptures. They had the words memorized, but they were in their heads, not so much their hearts. They had them memorized, but they didn't truly comprehend their meaning. And that's what we're after when we do this. It's not just reading the words and say amen and sing a song and leave. We're trying to get at the meaning of the words. They did not understand God's power to do more than anything they had ever experienced. Well, I've never seen a miracle. I've never seen anybody raised from the dead. It's not possible then. Right? I've never seen anybody walk on the moon except on tape. Does that mean it's not real? Let's not get into conspiracy theories, but maybe that's a bad example. (laughs) Right? Their unbelief came from a lack of historical faith, um, from understanding the, um, uh, their unbelief came from a lack of historical faith from understanding this, not understanding the scriptures and a lack of personal faith that came from uh, experiencing the power of God in their lives. They, they didn't know. They knew the words, but they didn't know the power of God at work in the words and in the world. And though they came at Jesus with this ridiculous hypothetical, their question really had to do with whether or not there would really be a resurrection from the dead. This didn't really have anything to do with marriage, necessarily. But whether or not there would be a resurrection In their school of thought, they were guilty of at least two errors. Number one, they denied any kind of spiritual realm, denying the resurrection along with angels and demons and all that sort of thing. And two, they defined eternity by their present understanding of how they understood the world to work. They expected eternity would be a continuation of that. People today are also often guilty of both of these errors um, by living as if there will be no final judgment. There will be no resurrection. Who cares that faith in Christ doesn't matter? Because if there really is a heaven, all the good people will go there based on my standards of what is a good person. And if there's a hell, I'll be so busy shaking hands with all my friends there that I won't care about that either. Not such a bad thing. I'll know all all the people there, right? Be like the old times. See, this is defined. Am I the only one that's ever heard anybody talk about it like this? Right? Who cares, right? Heaven, hell, whatever. You know, one is white, one is red. 
or not black, but red, Cazelle, Fire, and all that stuff. It's based on Bugs Bunny cartoons. This is not reality. This is not how Scripture describes it. It's not how God has defined it. Every time I hear someone say that our uh, our dearly departed loved one, right, is up in heaven looking down on you, right, to me that conjures more thoughts of hell than heaven. If my grandma and grandpa have to watch everything I do all the time, they are going to live an eternity of disappointment, right, and disgust more than likely. That's not heaven. But eternity will not be defined by our understanding. And it will not be defined by our present experience. It is defined by God. We don't get a vote. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2.6, quoting Isaiah, when he says, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. What God has prepared for those who love him. I remember a song uh, by Chris Rice. You're familiar with Chris Rice. If you're not, go listen to the Internet. will bring you to him. Uh, he, he had a line in one of his songs that says something like seeing colors I have never seen. And I'm not colorblind. I see all the colors. But I just that's a fantastical picture And it's just kind of an illustration that we haven't dreamed it up yet, right? Sylvester the cat riding the escalator to heaven, to the cloudy, bright, shiny place, right? I'm the only one that remembers Sylvester and Tweety. But that's such a poor picture, such a pale sketch. Um, It's probably not even close to accurate in any way at all. Because we all know cats are evil. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) So thinking about uh, what Jesus said, for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry or nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. That's one of the way God has defined eternity. Does that sound like a bummer to you? Well, it shouldn't. If those of those of you who are married, somehow uh, I won't know my wife, or you won't know your husband. Our personhood and personality will not be removed from us, but the things but things will be far beyond anything we could ever conceive of, far beyond anything we could imagine. And those who uh, believe in Jesus will also not become angels. We hear that all the time, right? It's another popular error. We will not become angels. We sprout wings and now have a halo that we have to keep shiny. But we will be like the angels. What does that mean? That means deathless. It means free from sin. And free from the corruption of the flesh that comes with sin as a result of it. We will be totally centered around fellowship with God. And I hope that doesn't sound like a bummer to you. 
God will establish a whole new order of life after death and will resolve any difficulties with what uh, with that that we might perceive from our limited perspective now. But God, how are you going to you know what? Don't worry about it. <laughs> God has got it handled and it's going to be better than what you think. I don't think it's just going to be full of every good thing that we've ever wanted. You know, all of a sudden, now I can do this or do that. I don't think that that's the reward that we have in store for us. For those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ, faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? The, the, the confidence of things unseen. The reward is we get to see with our eyes. Our Father's face. Praise his name. The Sadducees questioned Jesus with a quote from the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses. And so Jesus responds to their question with a quote from the same source. He says in verse 26, And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush? It didn't have chapter and verse. Could have said book of Exodus, right? They didn't do that. Um, Uh, In the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Um, The Bible knowledge commentary says God is still the patriarch's God, which would not be true had they ceased to exist at death. That is, if death ends it all. And his covenant faithfulness implicitly guarantees their bodily resurrection. (laughs) Are you as confused as me? The souls of believers who have died, including Old Testament saints who were looking forward to the coming of Christ, still exist separate from their bodies. And those souls will, at some future time, just like us, be united with a new glorified body, like Jesus has a glorified body. When will that happen? At the resurrection, at the return of Jesus Christ. That's how the Bible describes it. There's a lot more to say about this. Where? What is heaven now? Are people who are dead there now? Are they somewhere else? Are they awake? Are they asleep? We could talk about that for years. In fact, our network of churches has kind of made a career over talking about that. Um, There's a lot to talk about that. What you can be confident in in this moment is that those souls separated from their bodies still exist. And they will be reunited with a new body at the resurrection when Jesus returns. This is our hope. This is what we're looking forward to. Right? New bodies. That doesn't probably hurt so much. Right in this area here? Or this area here? And has more maybe hair in this area here? Warren Wiersbe wrote that the resurrection is not the restoration of life as we know it. It is the entrance into a new life that is different. 
That's the hope we have. It's not just you get to live like this forever. You get to live a better way in the presence of God. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, and I'll close with this. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things unto himself. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. This is a difficult um, topic, and I'm not sure I've peeled back enough layers, but we trust your spirit to speak. We trust that um, maybe this is just enough to pique our curiosity, that we can look into this ourselves on our own and talk about it together. Father, we thank you that we have your word and that it contains everything that we need to know about life, the universe, and everything. We are so grateful. May you continue to teach us, even today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.